You're listening to Everything Horses and More podcast with me, your host, Caroline Best. I'm the founder of my Dow Horsemanship Method, a pioneer in horse training and development, and a true advocate of the horse. I bring an intuitive and educated eye, along with an experienced and intelligent perspective, to understanding both horse and human nature and behavior. My experience and skill sets are the cornerstone to my worldwide success in training methodology. My experience with horses as intelligent, sentient beings is what inspired me to create my highly acclaimed and proven training method, Consensual Partnership Training for Horses and Humans, a model I pioneered in 2008. Consensual Partnership Training provides a comprehensive and impressive curriculum, teaching horse owners how to fully develop their horses using a holistic, empathetic, and natural process. My training system teaches you how to achieve true partnership with horses and without the use of pain, excessive pressure, dominance, force, or coercion. In addition to being a world-class trainer for both horses and people, I'm an artist, author, entrepreneur, speaker, radio show host, licensed working equitation trainer, and riding foundation specialist. I offer one of the largest and most comprehensive online educational platforms, the Dow of Horsemanship, where I host a variety of courses produced and personally taught by me and my amazing schoolmasters. In addition to sharing what I know in my in-person training and online courses, I invite special guests and students each month to my radio show, Everything Horses and More podcast. This platform allows us to engage with all of you and share our very personal and transformational journey with horses. I invite you to listen in and hope you find something that helps inspire you to reach your personal goals and aspirations with your horse. Thank you. And may you always be one with horses. back, Miss Lydia Kolmeshnik. I said it. <laughs> Practice makes perfect. <laughs> no, I just, I just, it's, it's kind of like stage fright or test anxiety. I say your name beautifully all the time. And then right when we get to do our podcast, I screw it up. So I didn't think about it this time. There you go. <laughs> I didn't think Not about it. Right. Not attachment. <laughs> yes. Thank you. All right. Well, welcome back, my dear. Welcome back, everybody. Um, New year, and we are here to do, this is uh, part six, the Divinity of Horses series. Part six, we've done five. And um, today's topic is moving beyond mindset, how to align ourselves with horses and why that's so important. We're also going to dive in deep. All right, so I'm going to give you guys, for those of you that did not get the um the promotional piece, which gave you a little intro about what this podcast is all about. I'm going to read it. It's real short and sweet. And then we'll dive in, my dear. Okay, awesome. Okay, I already said welcome back, Lady Epona, aka Lydia Kleneshnik, and the Divinity of Horses series. In this podcast, Lydia and I will talk about how horses, well, specifically Lydia on this um, subject, will talk about how horses lead us into expanded consciousness helping us connect with our essence, our spirit, so we can trust the flow of the universe. I love that. I love the flow. That's part of my method. She will also talk about accessing our intuition, 
our inherent self-worth and inner power, all of which operates at a higher level of frequency than the intellect or the mind. And I want to dive in deep about that, not to jump around because you all know I can go on these these I can just talk forever and go all, go down all these rabbit holes. But I want to talk about Dr. David Hawkins, one of my favorite authors, The Map of Consciousness, just a little bit today. Um, and this is something that I discuss at whatever depth or detail my students want to in my spirituality of horsemanship workshops. And so we're talking about consciousness. And I want to touch on this. Because a lot of people think we can read about consciousness. You know, we can be real cerebral and cognitive. And I've been there and I've got a massive library for the last 30 some years, books that I still, you know, I'll reread. Because um, as the saying goes, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And, you know, I can reread a book off and on for 10 years and, and learn something new, you know, even though I read that before. So I wanted to bring that up about the map of consciousness um, because we're trying to move beyond mindset. And a lot of people like myself, um, and I started out this way in my late teens, early 20s, reading as many self-help improvement. Deepak Chopra was one of the first. Um, you know, I, I loved his self, you know, the psychology and the and the you know, the kind of want to say personal awareness books. And also, um, wasn't too far along. I mean, David Hawkins has been around. Holy cow! And are you familiar with Dr. Hawkins' work, Map of Consciousness? I'll just Power versus Force specifically, but I've, I know of it. Yeah, he's been. I've been following his work for, like I said, about twenty years. So where I'm headed with that is, it seems you know, in my personal experience. You you have to read to become enlightened. I think you can experience things to enlighten you. But also reading is enlightening and gives you um, a support system, you know, of like mind, you know, something you can connect to. But that'll only take you so far. You know, it's like until we start to really experience what that particular book or author or master is talking about, our perception, and I'm speaking from personal experience as well as working with my students before they come and actually do the in-person work with me and horses. It's like cerebrally, we can understand what something might be or might feel like, but that's our perception. And like art, it's very subjective. You know, you and I can read the same thing, hear the same thing and come away with two different perceptions. But when we experience it, which is also uniquely ours as well, it takes it to a whole nother level of understanding. And that's where you and I are going to go in this podcast today is we'll outline, you know, the, the cerebral aspects of higher consciousness and moving beyond mindset. But that's the whole thing. We're moving beyond the mind. And in order to do that, we must allow ourselves to feel. And that's where we get stuck. Well, yeah, just to um, make a comment about that now, I always like to say that, you know, when you live something, you know it to be true. Mm. And so the combination of having for example, read something and have a passionate interest in something in a book, and then you live it, 
there's nothing that can take away the reality and the truth of your experience. That experience, yes, yes. And, and it is phenomenal when you live what you've been studying. And that's another layer of yeah. it to be true. Because not only when you live something, do you know it to be true for yourself, but then you've also been somewhat, you've validated the theory by your own experience. And then that gets you to the next level of a type of inner knowing and confidence in the flow of your expanded consciousness. But oh, beautiful. Perfectly put. Perfect. You're so eloquent. Perfectly put. I couldn't agree more. And and just to add to that, it it's, you know, for those of us that want to continue to experience, you know, higher levels of consciousness, it becomes a practice. It must become a practice because it's kind of like, you know, the word luck. You know, when something happens one time, it's luck. Second time, it's luck. Three times or more, you know, you're creating a, a habit or a pattern of recognition in your body, whether it's mental or muscle memory. So, yeah, that's very well put. Um, okay, awesome. So let me let me get in a little bit more. So you're going to be talking about accessing our intuition, our inherent self-worth and inner power, all of which operates at a higher level of frequency. And that's, again, where we're, I'm going to talk about the map of consciousness, this frequency that's real. And we get to experience that in my spirituality workshops. Um, and so this higher level of frequency than the intellect or the mind and help us move beyond the mindset by aligning with the infinite energy of the universe. Again, I love how you and I just constantly overlap and intertwine with what we do because that again brings me back to my workshops where we are learning how to access not just our intuitive nature but energy within us and we're learning it through the wisdom of the horse with horses that my horses that that are allowed to come back to who they really are live this way that is inherent and instinctive to their nature and, you know, to me, the horse, all animals, we're all nature, all mammals, everything is nature. We're all interconnected in so many ways, but I'm specifically talking about this energy connection that creates this alignment, creates a synchronicity, creates this flow within us. And it comes to this frequency. It's not only just through heart coherence with the horse and something that we may not be able to tangibly feel until we experience it enough to say oh my gosh you know it's so easy to connect this way and feel this way and what is that feeling when we connect with the horse's heart but also the horses are so grounded you know they're grounded to the earth's electric magnetic you know electrical frequencies and magnetic field and that's another i mean it just gets amplified in the workshop you know between grounding and feeling what does that do to your nervous system in heart coherence? What does that do to your nervous system? They do the same thing. You know, they, they relax the nervous system. They give you that peace and that calm um, and that clarity and that coherence and that congruency. So many wonderful things. Um, yeah. Anyway, I'm just going off. But that's what <laughs> you're, you're discussing though, is really, you know, why horses can be a gateway to our yes. consciousness. Yes. Yes. And that they're a gift to humanity, um, first functionally, you know, in our own personal, uh, you know, evolution of, of functionality of life on earth, you know, and yes. now they're a gift for our higher evolution. 
And it's like they had been waiting for us to yes. catch up to them. And now they're showing us more of who they really are when we can honor even some aspect of that. Yeah. And they will welcome us into their world, which yeah. is what I love about the title of, of today's podcast, aligning ourselves with horses, horses. not yes. trying to make the horses, you know, be what I want them to be. Yes. But I want to align with the horses. That's flow. And thank you for bringing that up because that's like my workshop. This is the essence of my work. It's the essence of my training. And you all know how much I can't stand that word. But, you know, as a professional rehab and foundation specialist and trainer, I'm always looking for flow. Where do I need to be and how can I meet my horse where they are? wherever they are and work from there instead of forcing it, making it contrived, you know, forcing them. And that's, a, that's key. That, that is so key to, oh, it's like karma, you know, putting out there what you want to give back, especially to the horse, giving them what they need to fully be who they are. And in that ability to be who they are, it's so much easier for us to connect with them, to work with them, to understand them. But we've got, I, we're going about it the wrong way, you know? So in my, and I know you and I come from two separate worlds as far as I'm coming from the perspective of a professional horse trainer. So I'm looking at all the, the ugliness and disadvantages for, to the horse that's done to them, maybe not even intentionally, but there just needs to be a higher level of consciousness and our approach, you know, and the way in which we interact and approach the horse when we do the work with the horse, you know, that's the big shift I want to bring. Um, and you're coming at it, you know, also in the same way holistically, but offering people an opportunity to expand mm -hmm. through the wisdom of the horse. I am too, but it's different a little bit. You know, I, well, you I, don't, know. I don't ride. I don't know anything about riding. So you're the expert of, on all of that. <laughs> well, I expert in my method. <laughs> oh, but, yeah, you're, you're, lead, you're a conscious leader, a great conscious leader of our time who's helping um, individually and collectively um, humanity evolve through through mm -hmm. the spiritual essence of horse. horse. Mm -hmm. Let the horse show us. Of horses and, yeah. and every horse it, that comes into our life is a gift yes. for us to expand and grow yes. because no horse is the same. No two humans are the same. There are overlying aspects that are similar, but every horse that comes into my life, I just start with a macrobiotic theory, you know, it's called beginner's mind. Yes. And. I just approach the horse uh, just without like as an empty vessel. Yeah. And just see, just see what the horse, like what's going on, you yeah. know, like, is there physical pain? Is there emotional pain? Is there trauma? Um, what's their comfort zone? And, and what can I access within myself to rise to that occasion for that horse? Yes. How do you, in your coaching, Share with us a little bit, Lydia, what you can offer and do, which is expansive. I don't know how many in our audience has been to your beautiful website and you're now, you know, an author and, you know, tell us a little bit and yeah, 
go in and, and talk to us. How do, what can, and you offer so much. I want you to repeat it again. Let us, let our, let the audience know what you have. Well, I brought together my 30 years of my experience and, and passion and expertise and wisdom into four pathways uh, to help you reclaim your sovereignty. So you can heal, grow and evolve in your own time and in your own way. Uh, with the four pathways, the four uh, services I've offered for the last 30 years. So I started You're off- living proof of this. Not only your hundreds, thousands of students, but you have healed your body. Yes, that's how I got involved. I got involved in offering services in the healing arts as a result of my own uh, incredible journey from the time I was born till mm. about 30, <laughs> oh my gosh. healing myself. So like you, I was always passionate about personal development. I started at the age of 10, um, really, um, you know, mildly obsessed with personal development books. <laughs> you and I are so much alike. Yes. <laughs> and I found the Power of Positive Thinking book and I would read it in the haystack. You know, I would read it. I'd hide it in my history book. Oh in, in in our little country schoolhouse and then read the power of positive thinking. And I forgot about it. I forgot that I did that till many, many years later. Um, and I love, like, I love healing and growing and evolving. I love the feeling of it. I love what it gives me. Yes. Greater and greater inner security, a greater, yes. greater freedom, yes. release of fear um being able yes. to know that i can trust myself and that i can navigate through uncertainty um so and these trust are all- your intuition it brings yes, you to yes. higher intuition yes totally, which is about trusting yourself the universe and others you make we make better choices because of that well yeah and life actually becomes easier it's when you compass yes intuition and live in a flow state. Mm-hmm. And so we started with mindset and I still I still use mindset, you know, principles and tools yes. like visualizing and affirmations yes. and and mantras and uh making lists, you know, mindset helps you get focused. Yeah. And mindset can help you get grounded. So it's a good foundation. But then if we move beyond mindset into accessing and trusting our intuition and living in a flow state of that infinite universal energy, we're always supported. And then it's easier to ignite insight. It's easier to expand awareness. It's easier to align vision and take those aligned actions in the knowing that you have yourself and you will always be able to navigate any circumstance. Mm-hmm. And this is the gift of reclaiming sovereignty, of living a centered, connected, and conscious life. That is huge. And so the people in our lives, we can love more fully. We can love more freely. And same with our horses and animals. Because I don't fear, um, well, what will I do without them? Like, what will, like, you don't, you don't become, you don't become controlling of oneself or of others. You allow them the sacred space. And then you unite in that sacred space for a greater exponential blossoming together. And that's true with your horse. That's true in our, you know, human relationships. Absolutely. Um, And to be the observer, you know, we're observing without attachment. Uh, But yeah, if you have fear, it's hard to do that. It totally. And it goes back talking about mindset. It's all about mindset. It's, it's like, 
you know, one of my favorite authors, and he wrote about the the Tao, and he became a Taoist, is the late Dr. Wayne Dyer. You know, and in one of his famous quotes is, you know, change the way you look at things and the things you look at change. And that's the choice. That's one thing that the only thing that we can control in this world is is our choice. You know, what we choose to feel and think about Um, because we can't change anything else. We can't control anything else. But that I mean, kind of some summarizing what you just said, which is huge and profound is we we can make those choices, but we so many of us don't believe that we can. You know, we're so controlled by our thoughts and our emotions, and we feel trapped and victimized, you know, that we that we can't change any of this. And again, that comes back to consciousness and and what are where are the tools that help us? And that's what you and I are going to share, you know, the tools that help us evolve to this place of true inner freedom and peace and clarity and coherence and congruence and alignment and flow. And even, you know, nothing's perfect. Everything is about progress. So even when we have a bad day or things don't always go well, we have those tools. You know, we have the tools to help us often for me you know, and, and these are the conversations I have with my students, you know, I have a real life shit happens all the time. You know, I don't avoid it. It's how you it's how you deal with it. It's how you navigate it. And so, you know, where are those tools for all of us to say, hey, this is a crappy day. It's a crappy month. It's a crappy year. You know, where do we we find a way to rise above that wave that feels like it's going to come over us and drown us. You know, where do we, how do we get to that place where we can ride the turbulence instead of feeling like we're drowning in that turbulence? I personally been there and that was something that I worked on, my gosh, began to work about 30 years ago. Yeah, really the, the, see I'm 55. So yeah. And it, you know, it was, it was um, prompted by a series, probably many years of, of and Carl Jung um, did the Jungian theory on, on dream analysis and water and the emotion of water. And he was the first, oh, what was he, a psychiatrist? Um, I forget what level he was, but he was the first to talk about the chakra system in his therapy with his clients and water, you know, was huge. And I was having all these dreams about water and, you know, and I never understood it. You know, I did a couple, I did read a couple of dream analysis books. Um, there wasn't that much out there. And that's my, when I first started studying Carl Jung, that's how I found out about his theory. But when you, when you when I look back at what I was going through in my 20s and why I was having so many dreams about water and being submerged in the darkness of water and not being able to come up, you know, and, and I never was drowning, but I, I guess I was and I'd wake up. I guess I was and I'd wake up with that anxiety of like, oh, you know, I just caught my first breath. I probably was holding my breath, to be honest, in my sleep. But it's it's fascinating um, to me, you know, I, I know in my experience with with my my students 
and they don't just come here for horsemanship. They come here for some personal development as well. It goes hand in hand when you when you decide to study with me and, and my method. We're so afraid. We're so afraid to take a look at what's going on. We're just afraid. And I think some of that fear is we just don't have, we don't know how. It's like, to me, communication is the number one problem that exists in all relationships, including horse-human relationship. We don't know how to communicate. We don't know how to communicate. Well, with ourselves too, you know, like over the years, one of the number one aspects of what you're talking about that I, that clients have said to me when they're on a path of healing and personal transformation, they get to a point and they say, I'm afraid of what I'm going to find if I keep going. Yes. Yes. If I go deeper and then of course that's their own unique journey. But then I say, there's nothing that you will find that hasn't been experienced by someone else on the planet and that you will ultimately find that you are a great being of light Hmm. And you will remember that in a visceral way. Beautiful. You will remember that. And so we we bring in the tools and then we know our own sense of timing. You know, we don't want to move faster or deeper than what we're ready to do. Um, but we bring in the tools, we bring in the support, and then we release the fear or as they say, you know, when you act with fear, then that's that's courage, right? You have the courage, even though you aren't a hundred percent sure. Uh, but you you have to have the calling. You have to have the calling to go deeper and because and do the work and do the work, and because it hasn't been as mainstream, you know, in our society um as it is becoming more now. There wasn't a frame of reference. Mm-mm. There wasn't. There weren't as many examples to give people um, like a reference to say, "Oh, it's not. It'll be okay if I go deeper." Um, and same in our relationship with our horses too. But there's always the relationship with self. So there's two fundamental pillars of all of this, and one is to cultivate that deep relationship with self, that that inner knowing, that know thyself principle. Mm-hmm. And the other one is to um, consciously commit to strengthening your core energy, your fundamental life force. Yes. So I would say your core energy is your personal signature of infinite universal energy. And as we honor ourselves and recognize the importance of continually Resting, rejuvenating, regenerating, expanding, mm-hmm. strengthening, mm-hmm. cleansing, clearing, mm-hmm. um, strengthening our fundamental life force, then everything else is easier because you become that strong trunk of the tree, right? You then you become strong within yourself, and the feelings of insecurity become less and less because viscerally, vibrationally, you become secure. Yes. Well, and it's that flow. And I I relate that to the chakra system, the first four chakras. You know, there's there's so much about I've read and I study and I believe and I teach when when students come to my workshop, they get a native Judas big book on Eastern body, Western mind. And, you know, she it's a, I call it the Bible of an, of emotional message and, and the meaning behind, you know, your emotions. And she relates all of it to the chakra system. So 
I'm a believer, you know, in trapped emotions. And so we're just talking about healing and, and we've got to release, you know, we're, we're, we hang on, our body is tight somatically, you know, viscerally we're, 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 we're holding on to so much pain and fear and, 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 you know, negative experiences, you know, and that becomes trapped in our body and it gets trapped in our chakra system. So, you know, here's this whole cycle of flow. Um, you know, it, we've got to release it from within and, and on a subconscious level, not even just a, a mental, not just thinking. I'm not talking about talk therapy at all. I'm talking about a somatic level of therapy in the body that on a cellular level it is where we need to be um, too. And I know you know that. Yeah. And that's the principle. Everything is energy. Yes. Every cell is an energy center. Yes. Every, every cell is a, it's a spiral of energy. And if that cell. That's you, number one. <laughs> number one. Principle. Your 12 principles. I love it. I got it. <laughs> 12 it, principles of high performance wellness. This is what she does people. <laughs> But, but the, but the cell needs energy in order to absorb nutrients, in order to expel toxins, in order to vibrate um, fully. And so there's no um, exception to the principles in the order of the infinite universe. And, and that was my training in, in macrobiotic uh, theory, which is very similar very similar to Taoism. And um, so what I ended up doing was referring back to my my master's teachings and um, in the macrobiotic masters, there was many, and they had principles in the order of the infinite universe. And then over time, I just kept messages, uh, kept, kept getting messages and downloads about how to bring it together simply um, into my 12 ancient universal principles. Yes. So it's not watered down, but it's more palatable, you know, yes. or you can digest it a bit easier um, than the original. But I was, when I was young, I still have a wall chart of the symbols of the, of the Tao Ching, right? Like oh, I, goodness. I've always loved it. I've always been fascinated. <laughs> wow. Oh, and I, I got chills. And I look at it all the time and you have to be interested, right? You have to, you have to be interested in it and then find support along the way. Yes. And when horses come into our lives, they are Taoist masters. I mean, they are high, high spiritual beings. Every single, every single horse. Yes. Yes. Has, has a teaching, um, has, has a gift. And there's so, they have such high mastery that that they um, they are able to cloak themselves sometimes. <laughs> but when they when they decide that we've talked about it before, mm-hmm. when they decide that you are ready, yeah, to to, to experience them fully, then they sort of unleash, like they welcome you in to their divine world. And it is magnificent. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> is yes, it is. Um, give us a, an experience, gosh, of when you're working with the horses in that in this way that we're talking about when they've welcomed you. I love looking at your posts and how happy your horses are and 
the things that you show, you know, the little video or a picture is like, you know, pictures, you know, is, is a thousand words. Like you capture that moment. And when the horses are standing with you, it's so, and I've commented on this, it's so obvious how present you are and they are, and they are fully with you. You know, there, there's a difference when we're standing with a horse and the horse is somewhere else and we're somewhere else. And and how many of us can see a picture of, of a horse and a human when they are fully together, you know, in this, it's hard to put words around it. You know, I can see it. Oh, and, thank you. I just, you know, whoever's around. Uh... Oops, you froze up just a little bit. Hopefully we get you back. Yeah, and if that does happen where we lose Lydia because of her internet, you guys, don't worry about it. Yeah. Um, get down. There we'll you go. Back. We lost you for a, a, like a minute. Oh, okay. So we were, let's go back to, I'm thinking of that one post where you were standing in front of one of your horses and I commented because it was just so obvious. You two were totally in sync, like you were reading each other's minds and having this conversation. <laughs> I'm not sure which one, but you know, just who I am, you know, we are who we are. We don't think about it until we reflect on it or, yeah. or you know, or people make comments, you know, on it. and it's like, oh yeah, I didn't really think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, um, I require that in terms of my relationship with everyone. Yep. Be fully present. Yes. With the horses. Like if I, you know, a lot of horses have trauma or, you know, Mm -hmm. or pain or something. And so I will spend the time in silence um, and, and get the messages from them and, and feel them and, and see where they're at. And then I, they know that that's right there. That shift in us, like when we can come into the presence of a horse, and open ourselves up to to listening. That is the hardest thing for my clientele. How do I read my horse? How do I get to really understand what my horse needs? And that that's a good that's something that we could really touch upon because you're you're coming at it from a totally a higher level of consciousness as a master, as I would as a master. I mean, it's this is what's so hard about teaching my work sometimes. For me, because I'm always there. Now, how do I backtrack when I was a student? What what's how do I teach the student to get to there, to where I am, where you're you are always fully present. You hear what the horse has to say all the time. If you're not, you get the knock, knock, knock. Hey, I'm over here. I need you. You know, the horse is like, I need you to pay attention right now. Um, a lot of people miss those cues. They're, they they haven't developed that. But we can only share what we have. So we we haven't cultivated that within ourselves. No. We, then we come forward in life with everything we do from where we're at. And it's not that it's wrong. It's just if you have a yearning to, let's say, have a deeper relationship with your horse and you don't have a deeper relationship with yourself. Yes. And you can learn steps and, you know, you're a magnificent teacher and you can teach that. Yes. But it's hard. So that's where people get stuck. So this is a great point. I'm setting this up on purpose. <laughs> this is a great point. So in my workshop uh, last month, right? February, no, in February, beginning of this month. Oh my gosh. In my workshop, 95% of the, 
let's say the majority of the students could not be still, could not get quiet. They cannot get quiet. If you can't get quiet, and you know, we did a lot of meditation, you know, in the two days to bring us to the to a tuning fork to be able to to see how we resonated. The horses are, you know, our model, um, you know, our barometer of that. And the horses were magnificent. So we, you know, the pictures that that we have are tell, you know, so many beautiful stories. The horses were so present, but it, but it it was really hard to get the student there. And and some of the students didn't want to go there. Some of them, it got too hard for them, and they they would cry, which is beautiful. I say in these workshops, if I don't make you cry, I haven't done my work because I want you to release. I want you to feel safe. I want you to be vulnerable. I want you to open up. You're in a sacred space here. But as soon as they allowed that, they turned it off like that. And I know out of all respect, it takes time. Um, But this is what we're talking about. You know, here we are in this podcast, sharing our experiences as masters of this work, always a student, but also a master. You've got to start somewhere. And that somewhere is within yourself. You know, we think that if if we just spend some quiet time with the horse, that's all we need. But it's 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 not because we're so in our head. Like, how do we get out of, as we say in this podcast, get out of our mind so that we can attune ourselves and align ourselves with the power of the horse, the wisdom of the horse? They are such a beautiful role model and gateway to everything we need. But we've got to, and you and I know how to start you all, start you all out with these steps. You just people just have to find the courage to do that. You know, like you said, the courage, the fear. We all have fear. I have had a lot of fear. <laughs> you got to find the courage, or or you're going to stay stuck there. You know, I don't want to be stuck. I don't want to be stuck in that fear. Yearning. So your students are drawn to you because they want to go in that direction. And then when they are immersed in that, mm-hmm. then they, they realize where they're at and, and what their next step of personal growth is. So you're supporting yeah. them through that process, you know, with the horses. And it's short-lived. I am supporting them, but it's so short-lived. They're just here for a couple of days, you know? And it's like they're dipping the toe, their toes in the water, you know, whether it's cold or hot. And they're going, Woof, you know? too cold or too hot for me. What do they say after the workshop? Do they um, have a commitment to continuing with their- Some of them them are already committed in my online program. Um, Some of them become students. So I find obviously that if they're already a student and committed, and usually when they commit to one of the big programs, whether it's a spirituality uh, standalone or the spirituality is in the big mastery program, when they commit to that, yeah, then they're coming to dive in deeper. The commitment's already there. In this situation with this group, um, only one student was a student of my work, completely committed. And the rest of them were like students, like they knew who I was. And they were, you know, so they're finally, you know, coming in and, and experiencing the work for the first time. And it's, you know, that's been my quest as a teacher. And another reason why I was glad to, I stepped away the last couple of years, you know, that was due to, as as most of you know, huge health crisis in my family and 
and profound, you know, that had profoundly affected uh, my family. So I stepped away um, from the work for a couple of years, but I was also burnt out completely. And so coming back into the work um, last year, you know, how do I, how can I come back to the origin of my work, the spirituality of horsemanship workshops, um, present them again in 2024, but in a way, and I did, I redid the book and everything in a way that, that is an easier pace. Um, oh, what, how do, you're so good with words, like it just easier for them to get a taste of it without shocking their systems, so to speak. Magnificent. I mean, what you're offering, I mean, is revolutionary and it's leading the way into what I call the paradigm of light. And so people will engage at the level that they feel comfortable with, but you're creating that opportunity that is a lasting shift, whether it's a tiny shift or a big shift that they know on their own, right? On their own. And, but if we don't create the the sacred space, the opportunity, then it's harder uh, for an individual to do it totally on your own because you don't know where to turn to. You don't know what kind of support to get. Um, and, and there's many ways, I mean, it all begins, you know, when you wake up in the morning and the choices you make about your health and how you're going to live and what you're going to put in your body. And mm-hmm. all, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's a whole, it's a whole lifestyle of, of self-awareness, but what I sometimes do when I'm in the barn and if my horses are in the barn hanging out, sometimes they just come in yeah. and they want to just kind of want to hang out. Well, what I like to do, and I I won't subject anybody to it, but I like to sing like songs while I'm cleaning the stables. And then then they all come around. And then then I'll start to feel which horse uh, wants to release something. And then I'll just keep, you know, cleaning with the pitchfork and singing. And then I'll feel that energy move through me, that emotion move through me without attachment. And then at the end of the that sort of session, you might say, yes, um, I always remind my horses, just like we would our children or our friends or our family, that whoever harmed you, you know, whatever happened to you, we don't have to hold on to it. Yes. We can start to release it. Yes. And I find that when I actually say that to the horses when we're in that kind of happy flow state of um, cleaning, but you're actually doing work with the horses and their response is very powerful. They'll start to sigh. um, They may lay down. And I said, it's okay. You're safe now. You know, I'm never going to leave you and I never will leave my horses and, and, and you can start to let go. Yes. This is powerful. I I recommend that anyone out there, all of us that have horses to do this, to believe in this. I posted three short uh, videos on YouTube last week of me working with my my three thoroughbreds. And, And that was part of the work that I did not film. It was personal. But while we're working, we're also being together. And and in the way that I teach working with your horse is to be attuned so that and allow 
not so laser focused and linear that you allow for these opportunities for them to obviously communicate how they feel, where they're at, what they need. And you you make those breaks in your work sessions to accommodate always, if not, you stop there and you say, this is enough. Um, You needed this from me. And let's take my young horse who's six in March and I'm not riding him, nor would I be for many reasons. Um, But he's getting closer to, uh, I say giving permission, but it's deeper than that. He's getting closer to wanting me, wanting my energy to connect with his energy at that, in that chakra. And, and, And so he connects with me beautifully on the ground and he'll give me all of his chakras and and show me which ones he wants but what i've noticed is the tension that he holds in his his shoulder wither area so you have the eighth chakra the brachia you know for for deep intimate relationships connection that's on all animals thanks to uh louise no not uh thanks to marguerite coates are you familiar with her the the british um animal communicator who discovered and i agree with this because i've been doing this and didn't even know who she was. And then I found her and went, that's why, you know? So she discovered that there's an eighth chakra on all animals and it's above their wither area or their shoulder area. And if an animal does not want you to touch them or be in that, that space, that chakra, they won't allow you there. And, and for me, all before I ever knew about Marguerite Coates, you know, here I am teaching my grounding Um, practice and where we put our hand and it's always right above the scapula muscle so it's below the wither above the scapula so we're connecting little did I know the eighth chakra the heart chakra and the fire chakra because we're grounding that energy into mother earth in the way I teach us to ground with the horse and connect those energies and 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 so blue's fine but when you take that energy and he's fine above his head, he's fine with me on in the stall above his head. He's fine with me and he should be. He doesn't have any fear. You know, that's part of cult starting or starting young horses is you want to be above and in their blind spots. So he's never had a problem with that. But but God forbid I lean, I lay over him and he just tenses right up and backs up, you know, and he doesn't look stressed. Obviously, he just backs up tight and just gives me a half soft eye and he's just telling me that that I'm not ready and I know why he's not ready emotionally he had a unfit mother horse and an unfit human mother and and at eight months of age I got him destroyed I understand he has huge abandonment emotional connection issues it has been broken and it's so beautiful I could cry to take the time that he deserves and to watch him grow. And I will never get on until he understands how good it's going to feel. And part of that process of helping him is talking to him and, and, you know, also doing energy work, you know, and helping him to release and what you were explaining about your horses coming to you and, and offering themselves you know, to you for help and, and they'll lay down. Um, 
some of my horses will do that, but most of them, they just, they do the somatic releases and they, they release all that tension and they get really low in their headset and they lick and they yawn and blue yawns and yawns and yawns. It's just amazing. We should all be in that space with our horses. We should all start in that space, that heart space, that head space, that physical space with our horses, everything, you know, and, and like you said, just feeding and, and mucking and taking care of them, we can do this every day. You know, we can begin this way every day and think how much easier it is when you want to train them or develop them, when you have this level of trust and intimacy and open two-way communication. It's just beautiful. Well, that's a magnificent uh, experience and story. So thank you so much for sharing that. And this is what aligning with our horses is. Yes. We're aligned, we're moving beyond mindset. Yes. You know, beyond the intellect. Yes. You know, beyond what I go out there, what I want to uh, surrender myself to the horses. What does my horse want? What do they need? What do they want? You know, it's like I always say, ask not what what your horse can do for you, but what you can do for your horse, right? Based on. I love that. You know, I think. Um, uh, But then, you know, there's all these layers. It's the state that you're in. um, And. And the space, you know, like my like my whole guidance and mission of helping horses um, has been to to create a space to help them heal. And I don't know any for any human or horse exactly how that's going to unfold, but I'm here to do that and I'm here to do that for them. So when I'm, when the moments arise, you know, and I have two different barns where the horse, different sets of horses, you know, come and go out of, but when I'm, when I'm in (laughs) in there doing work and they all come around or or one comes around, um, then I have to let go of the, oh, I should have been back in the house 20 minutes ago. Oh, yes. Unless you have a real appointment, right? Unless you have something that you have to do. That's a good, wait, let me stop there too, because this is great, you guys. It's going to happen whether you like it or not, unless you have an appointment, like Lydia was saying, you've got to give up this bam, 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 bam. I I only have so much time. I, we, God, I wish our, our whole life, I wish our society would allow for more flexibility. You know, I, I said when COVID happened, and we and it obviously affected the entire world. There there were some blessings to behold. And one of them was, why do we have to drive to work? Look at look at look at 50% of the ozone is is healthier without us all driving, you know, and and there, you know, there were some things that it helped us slow down. It gave us an, an opportunity to look into our children's education. You know, it gave us gave us some some new lenses, so to speak. It also did a lot of damage, I understand. But I'm looking at the positive. And so, you know, I I mean, you and I could talk forever, especially about saving horses and just, you know, we're just trying. We're trying. I just I get so overwhelmed sometimes. <laughs> I'm real quick, Lydia. I'm just looking at some, see if we have any questions from anybody. Um, I wanted to say hi. Let me refresh this real quick um, and see what we have. Keep talking, my dear. Sure. Yeah. So, but those moments in the barn that you don't plan, 
I have, they happen all the time. And so that's why we always joke and say, you know, we'll say, oh, I'll, I'm going out to the barn for an hour. <laughs> yes. For an hour. Yeah. <laughs> but I have to let go of all of that unless there's obviously something, you know, that I have a client call or something. Right. And I, I can't just not show up for the client call. Right. But, um, but the, but some of the greatest breakthroughs, some of the most magnificent moments of release and transformation happen in that flow. Yes. And I may share the example of, of the time when my spring rose was still, you know, totally new here and deemed untrainable and untouchable and um, she was wild, a wild Mustang. And I went out, it was in the first couple of weeks, I think, and you still couldn't really touch her. And I, I, I went out and I put some hay out or whatever. And then I walked into the pen and I forget what I was doing. I don't know. I was standing there or something and she came, she came to me and then I stood still with her and then, and then she, she just collapsed and fell asleep at my feet. And I'm standing there going, I've got so much to do. <laughs> I had some, and she was like a half hour like oh completely out, like literally at my feet. That is amazing. And then I thought, well, I better not move too fast because she <laughs> might wake up and then Struggle. be right and and be in a in a fight mode. So I just remember like looking over at the people on the farm, like <laughs> I'm just standing here and I'll be back soon, but I don't have my phone. <laughs> oh my god! And I just stayed with her until she slowly came out of it. And yeah, my, you know, it changed my schedule for the day, but I couldn't have, I couldn't have planned that any better. Like that was her moment of, of release of total yeah. surrender. And she felt safe. Wow. Literally on my feet, like literally like, <laughs> and, uh, and that happens all the time. You know, like I have a horse that came a couple of years ago, who was a surrender. And they told me that, um, oh, he hates all people and he hates all horses and and he's not going to be good at your place because you do equine therapy. And and then the owner reached out to me and said, you know, I really need help. Right. Can you, yeah. you, you know, I really need help. It was somebody who was sort of representing her who said that. And he was the one that fell in love with Spring Rose. So Spring Rose knows how to handle him because she's like <laughs> a lady and he's like a puppy dog around her. But um, but he does have some um uh, um unusual uh behavioral habits that are unpredictable <laughs> how old is he how old is he he is um now i think he is 14 or 15 and um so anyways i was having one of these barn moments where i was cleaning and he came in and spring rose came in and then he just decided to lay down in his big straw bed just kind of relax and um, and then I started singing to them like just hokey love songs. They love it. <laughs> they love hokey love songs like from the Carpenters. Not that. Oh, I love it. I always sing like the songs from the Carpenters and things like that. And yes. and then I changed the name so it's their name. And then he started to release and he, and he had these big moans. It's quite emotional talking about it. And he said that he was um, when he was very young he was bullied. Uh, by I don't know horses or people, and he felt like he never fit in. 
Mm. And he's a big guy. And so his response when he feels insecure is to kind of be a bit of a bully. He's yes. not a he's not a bullying horse, but he kind of it comes out of nowhere. Like you'll be yes. loving with him and sort of hugging and and then he'll kind of like, you know, and he kind of has this weird, he wants to grab you and stuff, and and mm-hmm. then it passes. And he, he he it's a feeling of insecurity and low self-worth. Yes. Yes. And he said to me, I never fit in. Um, and, and so now I know, so now I say, oh, you are, you know, like his hair is all long, like a hippie and everything. Yes. Like, you know, like, oh, you're like our handsome hippie. Yes. And, and you're one of us. And, and I say that to him. Yes. And I yep. say, you fit in perfectly with us. You are our family. And he slowly, it's, it's slowly. So he sent me the core issue. Yes. Of his strange, unpredictable behavior um, that um, that we're now able to address through positive, you know, singing and reinforcement. That's the positive. That's a level yeah. of positive reinforcement that I love. And I do, too. I'm always talking to my horses and and telling them how beautiful they are and thank you and I love you and at the same time if if like Joey can be like this gelding and and have low self esteem and and be a bully and um and I can and I will have that straight up conversation with them now knock it off yeah. you know you don't do that you don't need to do that here you don't need to be that that horse here yeah. that wasn't done to you that's your past and he's off the track and he was beat into aggression. But that's how they got him to win. Oh, yeah. You couldn't even go in a stall when he first came um, because he'd charge and lunge at you and go to bite you. And the only thing he understood, we never touched him, was to go in. I, I'm like, OK, go in with a crop because mm. he'd go up against the wall, give him his food and leave. And we couldn't work with him in the beginning because they had broken him down so bad as a three-year-old he had won five races as a three-year-old that he had rotation in both fronts at completely flat hooves with no heel so he had stress founder and I didn't even know what stress founder was but I was smart enough to go he's foundering is this from the stress because look at his feet they're horrible he's got no support um, and he was supposed to be on all these drugs for, you know, his, the bone chips in his knees and whatever. Um, so he almost died and, you know, he spent months and, and, you know, bedding up to here and he, and he went down a couple of times and couldn't get up and icing and soaking, but I found the right farrier and in a year, if not less between that and everything I was doing, he self-corrected the rotation self-corrected but um but part of that behavior i gave them about like i do most horses that are that severe um really traumatized i give them a year off to just kind of get in the flow right just kind of find that you're safe here and not put any pressure on them to try to you know work through any of this stuff um and but they find he, themselves. Yeah. yes you know, like we want them to find themselves again yes, we do to remember yes, who they are Yes, right? And yes, then they'll be do. relaxed with us, right? And then they'll be in their flow, as you're saying, and then we can be in our flow with them. So, I mean, yeah. it's both sides. It's us doing our healing. It's the horses doing their healing. And then just taking those opportunities that sometimes arise when you um, have a schedule. <laughs> and, 
And that that happens all the time. I was trying to move square bales of hay from the other barn. And and our, our baby Percheron, we call her baby Raven, who's now bigger, yes, you know, yes. than her most auntie. Beautiful. She she just decided to stand perfectly. And she's, you know, still like learning boundaries and how old is she? Like three? She's four. She's yeah, she's, she's a baby. Four. Yeah. And her mom and auntie um consider her the golden child. So they don't put boundaries down for her mm-hmm. and, um, and they've lost their babies and they are very possessive of her. Um, like in the past, you know, like yeah. they lost all their babies. So, uh, so we've been patient and, you know, I guess she was teething too. And, yeah. and suddenly, suddenly without, without doing anything. So again, do nothing with your horses, right? Like <laughs> right suddenly she just started wanting to stand perfectly still with me and stare at me like forever and I had like my two bales of hay I was trying to get the hay across the barn you know and and she was like huge and she was just staring at me and her chest her heart and she wanted to just channel Reiki with me. She just wanted to stand there. And I was like, well, what happened to like, you know, like, <laughs> like the um, terrible twos, right? Like, <laughs> you know, but she just grew out of that. Yeah, yeah. And, and I had to actually, eventually, after about 45 minutes, I I, I said, I got to go, Raven. Like, I just, I can't, I can't stay. <laughs> oh, I hear you. Such a shift for her that she had um now she knew she could do that with us yes what an enlightened being it's so beautiful how in in just emotionally intelligent just off the chain conscious and self-aware horses are and and how many of us don't like there's so many of us that that intuitively feel this but it's not validated until like people like you and I start talking about it and sharing our experiences or they experience it with us and our horses but it's, we, I mean, we've got to change. We have to make this change collectively for the horses. They are, you know, I say this all the time. I think they're aliens. I think they were put here, <laughs> you know, to, to help us with our humanity. They're just, they're so, their level of consciousness is beyond. And if you follow, we're not going to have time to get into Dr. Hawkins, which is fine, or his map of consciousness, we can the next time. But if you follow his, his map, and it's all measured through energy and frequencies. I mean, the science is behind all of this. You have to get the book. But if you follow his map, I mean, the horses are like God, Gandhi and God, you know, pure consciousness, you know, in peace. I mean, hello. Yeah. And maybe maybe our domesticated, domesticated horses obviously have a lot of trauma because of us. So it's hard for, I think that's where the the level of con- raising the bar, raising the consciousness with equestrians, I hate to say horse owners, you know, we are, we are, we are their guardians, you know, their advocates, they're whatever we need to be. But horse if we, We're horse lovers. Yeah, horse lovers. If we raise, you know, the consciousness with the horse lovers, then, you know, it it only change then. I know it's one person at a time, but so many of our horses deserve this and this whole slaughter and kill pen I mean between the work you do and all the all the stuff you send out between your posts and your your mostly your posts and then I belong to so many 
rescues. It's just heartbreaking to see the the plight of our our equines. Well, we have we're changing that. We yeah. we have a role to play. And um, I would say there was a time, uh, there was a 300-year inquisition, you know, in Europe where rural people and women were treated like horses are now. And it was a business and women's properties were stolen and accused of being witches and then tortured to death. And, um, and, you know, the whole point. You know, the whole excuse of saying, oh, well, you know, it's a business like here in, you know, what are we going to do? How are, how are people going to survive financially? Well, I have full confidence in the intelligence and the ability of human beings to create new solutions and go forward. It's like saying, well, you know, we used to take women's properties and burn them at the stake. Well, that was a business. So what are we going to do? I mean, there Great was point. There was a time that like generations, generations were born into fear of the Inquisition. If you didn't report your neighbor. Slavery. Yes, slavery. Women have been enslaved. Horses are enslaved. It's not just indigenous and and different ethnic groups. I mean, we are still second class citizens, period, all over the world. Yeah, we still are. We still will never make as much money as, as a whole women as men. We will still and there's some things that that I believe as a woman, we shouldn't be doing. Leave that to the men. And that yeah. men should, I believe that. And that men should be doing, leave, you know, leave us alone, leave them alone. But as a as a, a whole, you know, society, when we come together, all of us, it's just, yeah, here we go. That's a whole nother podcast. But, you know, here in Canada, there's the whole uh, movement to stop transporting our beautiful Canadian horses live to be exported to Japan and other countries to be tortured and slaughtered for someone's useless dinner. And my MP, I have sent letters to him for the last two years and never got a response. So I finally I finally called and they called me back and. He voted against the bill that um, there's, a you know, there's stages, right, of the bill to yeah. go through now. But he voted against stopping um, the horses being um, exported. So he's he's in favor of the horses being exported live to be tortured and slaughtered for someone's useless dinner. And um, and when his office got back to me, I'm planning on going in to see him personally, but when his office got back to me, she said, well, you know, Mr. So-and-so, he um, he certainly, you know, uh, supports compassionate care towards animals, but he voted against the bill for a number of reasons, one of which was, you know, the financial implications for the people in the industry. Okay, like, can we, like, I mean... How big is this industry? It's like, it's like, it's like five people. So, I mean, like... <laughs> That's what I thought. But even if it was, this is an excuse that they give in the horse racing world, you know. Well, what about all the jobs? Oh, I have full confidence in the human ability to uh, innovate. Yes, create uh, different jobs. Industries, you know, like like right now, like a lot of dairy farms are being turned into um, places for growing hemp. They're being turned into um, uh, like uh, bean farming, right? Like there's like to say that we have to do things the way we've always done. We talked about that before. One of the most dangerous expressions to say we've always done it that way. I mean, it's it's such a cop out. Yep. 
it's such a yeah. problem. We've all we've always been evolving. Yes. I mean, like you know, we would have well, the rodeos. How about the, I'm I belong to the rodeo groups, and it just I have since I was a kid. I thought the rodeos were disgusting. Like I I was scared to death of the rodeos because I could feel and see the pain of the animals. And I I mean I I don't get sorry. And you all can hate me that love your rodeos. I think they are absolutely brutal horrible the way they fling these cows around twist them around bucking straps electrocute the horses i mean and and but you but this is the same mindset well we've always done it this way or i'm watching live um interviews with like the manager of one of these new zealand rodeos well the animals enjoy it they're fine with it and the reporter knows damn well really so when their tongues are hanging out and there's saliva everywhere and the and here's a shot of their eyes just about bulging out of their head, and you've got a bucking strap on their privates, their genitals. They're loving it. I mean, some of these cows and these horses are laying down in the chute, and they're zapping them and pulling the bucking straps to 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 get a response out of them. And they're they're either smart or they're absolutely in their par- their sympathetic nervous system where they've just shut down and completely. You know, but some of them could be smart. I've seen so many of these. You guys, you, you'd see them just going, no, I'm not moving. You can't make me move. I know what's going to happen. And then there's these idiots that get the Bronx and retrain them. Put just a, oh, they know how to be ridden. They're fine. It's only the bucking strap that makes them buck. And the horses is tight. You could bounce a penny off of them. And I'm thinking, who the F are you kidding here? And if you're dumb enough to buy a horse, Sorry, then you deserve whatever happens to you to not consider the amount of trauma that that animal has been through. They're just waiting to explode. There is not, there's no way you can tell me that that, that horse is right. It's I about, just, yeah, it's uh, about, to, I find in my experience with a new horse coming here, whatever their background is, it's about two years. Yeah. It's about two years, depending on the depth of the trauma. Unwind, unpack, unwind. It's about two years to just continually tell them you love them, to um, really feel safe, them, to you know do healing energy healing with them, to let them have some temper tantrums or to <laughs> let them have moments of you know past behavior, and then you know when horses go through that, I of course sometimes you have to say no, like you can't you can't you can't try and bite me, okay? Yes. Like, I'm like please don't do that. Yes. <laughs> But, but, but then I always say, but I love you anyways. No, yeah. The unconditional love. I love you. And I say that right to them. I say, I love you just the way you are. You are perfect the way you are right now. And I will continue to love you no Mm. matter what your behavior is. For for that releasing to happen. Like I don't condone dangerous behavior, obviously. I know that. I I hope everybody else does too. Yeah, we have our boundaries. We have to be safe. But there's a way in which you can do it too. I can be very firm with a horse that's that's being triggered in a loving way at the same time. You know, and and that's, yep, just say, hey, come on. Yep, take it over there, snap out of it. You're okay. You, you're going to have to figure out you don't need to react all the time like that. And it talking to them is so important. And that's I think those are two of the things in the in the horse industry when it comes to training that people aren't being taught. You know, everyone's being taught. Don't look a horse in the eye. 
Don't ever look them in the eye. Really? And, oh yeah. It's big time. Big time. I and, always look my horses in the eye. I didn't know that. Well, exactly. The eyes are the windows to the soul. How are you going to learn to read them, connect with them? It's always begins with you. the eye. Yeah. No. Well, because in, in most of the training techniques and even in our natural horsemanship or even positive reinforcement, it, they're, they're not focused on the eye, they're focused on the end result. And so whether it's target or treat training or sometimes treat positive training, they're teaching the horse to, to focus on, you know, whatever they're, they're focused on, but it has nothing to do with connection. It's all mechanics. And that's the big difference. Connection starts here. It's here too, but it's got to start here. Yeah. You've got to get the horse's attention to get connection, right? If you're talking to me and I'm the horse and I'm looking over here, there ain't no way you're going to get my heart connection if you ain't got my eyes, my mind on you. Absolutely. I mean, horses, yeah. I mean, it's common sense. Horses got to be thinking about you to be interested in even opening up or having a conversation or connection with you. So a lot of the training is still submissive and dominance where they don't want the horse. They want to keep in their in there. It's a subconscious. Uh, some of it, I think, is subconsciously taught because I don't even think some of these horse trainers are aware of what they're teaching. Again, you know, it's been handed down. It's just something we do. Um, but it's being questioned a lot more, thank God, you know, from from all of us, my students that are just raising that bar of consciousness that are like, hey, wait a minute. And it's, you know, I think I we all can see universally horsemanship is changing. It is the level of consciousness and horsemanship is changing. And the way that our methods and the way that we practice, the way that we work with horses is getting better. Um, but isn't that crazy? It's, yeah, don't look him in the eye. And um, But that's also disrespect. Don't I mean talk to him. Yep. Well, it's about dominance, though. And don't talk to them. They're too stupid. They don't understand what you're talking about. You see, this, this is where your work is so important to, to, to be one with your horse through understanding that mm -hmm. they are equals. Mm -hmm. Oh, if not, yeah, if not teachers, they're, well, they're always teachers. But minimal. I mean, like, yeah. yeah minimal, like, minimal, they're equals. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to have yeah. reverence for them as the divine beings that yes. they are. But if you're coming from that old school, old paradigm, do not look at them, um, you know, as as a piece of grass. Well, look at Pirelli horsemanship and Clinton Anderson, who was a graduate of Pirelli and then stole Pirelli's games and created his own, you know, empire. Both of them are all about disengaging the hindquarter. And you'll see a lot of diluted methods, you know, professional trainers going off on their own, but taking from the natural horsemanship of Pirelli and Clinton Anderson. And they're still teaching all of this. Buck Brandeman's one of them. I went to a Buck Brandeman clinic in January and I'm putting the names out there because I'm sick of this shit. Because all these people are way up there and they're being revered as like the gods and the gurus and horsemanship. And, and it's all about disengaging the hindquarters. Why? There's a time and a place to move a horse's hindquarters, but it is not... The time and place is not on the ground until you get into more advanced lateral movement and gymnastics. And then there is a time. But they but it's it's right away. We got to move that hindquarter, show that horse, move him around, move him around, move his feet, dominate his feet. And it's always like a predatorial stance after the hindquarters. And if it doesn't move, you're gonna whack it. 
And, and there's never any engagement of the front end of the horse, of the mind or the eye. It is so bizarre and to me so counterintuitive to connection. Yet we're going to connect with the horse. Oh, let me show you how to connect by moving their ass around constantly. And so, you know, the butt's going around and the horse's eyes are out there. They're totally, or you're, or you're hitting them around and pushing them around so that they end up focused on you. But now they're in this sympathetic nervous system of, oh my God, what did I do wrong? Why'd you just chase me around? And, and they're just standing there frozen. So there's a total disconnect. It's still being taught, you know, prevalently by our major professionals out there. And it drives me crazy. But that's an example of of mindset, right? That it's an intellectually dominant. Um, Sorry, I'm going to beat up on men too. Yeah, <laughs> and look at the men. Look at the men. It's using the intellect rather than the mm. the essence, the energy, yeah, the, the emotion, the emotions. Everybody's so afraid of emotion. Everybody yeah, is so afraid of emotion. I mean, I like I said earlier, I don't consciously require it of my horses, but I require it in our relation, like, how can you heal? How can a horse or a human heal if they can't come to me fully present? Yeah, thank you. And what does that look like? It's contact. It's showing up. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I, you know, and I have those conversations, like I said, you know, it's like, you don't, like, we have a donkey. And obviously, at some point, she's a giant donkey. And at some point, somebody used to hit her in the face with the pull of a pitchfork. I mean, it's obvious because as soon as we would clean and, you know, take the pitchfork around, she would always be doing this, right? And so this just so she's been with us for, well, since 2015, since I moved here. And it's gets, it's, it's better, like it's almost non-existent. But I've had a lot of sessions with her. And I, I'm not forcing her to move quicker than what she's ready for, but I have had sessions with her where, where I said, don't, we don't need to carry, and so as we say in, in human coaching, the vomit of the people who abused you anymore. Like imagine if we, if we, someone vomited on us and we never washed ourselves. Oh, ooh, good, good. Yeah. Let it go. Absolutely. Like it's so disgusting just to think of that, that we carry clothes that have dried vomit on and we're constantly in an insecure, you know, awful state. You know, we take the clothes off. We're reminded of that constantly by the, the smell of it and the feel of it. Yeah. You know, trauma. And I say this and, and I'm a trauma specialist. It, it It's like it's no different than it is for us. Will horses never forget they have memories like elephants? You know, they learn like this when they're open and they never forget. And so the trauma will never completely go away. It just gets better. It just gets and better. I encourage them. I, you know, I said, Gracie, I said, Gracie, we don't, you know, I, are you ready? Like, we don't have to hold on. That person is yep. gone. Yeah. They've been go. gone for a long time. And quite frankly, they probably don't even think about you anymore. So, and when they release their unresolved anger on you, um, <laughs> they weren't thinking of you either. They were just having yeah. a release. Um, oh, similar, you know. I, similar to what I say to Blue, you know, in the beginning for the first few years, you know, we can't feed into it. And I think I was feeding into Blue's horrible mothering by not just his biological horse mom, but his human mother. And so I was feeding into that un- unconsciously by feeling sorry for him and 
and feeding into it, I think we all do this. And I, I, I definitely help my students be aware of, you know, when your horse is really nervous and sad, don't feed into it, acknowledge it, but don't own it. And I was going, that was my problem. And part of my learning as a mentor is I'm jumping into, let me own that for you. You know, here's that enabler codependent, you know, behaviors in me from my dynamic growing up of alcohol abuse in my family. So those are the things I carry into, let me make it better for you. And, and we can't, we, we make, well, we can, but not that way. You know, we, we say unconditionally, I, I'm sorry, this happened to you. And this is what you can do to make it better. When you're ready, you'll choose to take those steps when you're ready, but this is how we make it better. You know, and we have to. We all want it yeah. moving forward. It's a time yeah. on the planet. It's a paradigm shift. And so, you know, a year or two ago, I felt Gracie was ready, and she hadn't been flinching, you know, very much. And I've been doing some work with her. And I went over when I was cleaning, and I put the the um, I put the stick of the pitchfork, and I massaged her. Yes, yes. And she just, you know, like a different this, experience. A good ex- gave her a good experience with it. And I said, yeah. It's over, Gracie. Yes. Yes. That's, that's part of what I do too. It's part but of the healing move forward now. I mean, we've had, and not that I'm, like I said, trying to determine the length of time to heal, but, <laughs> no. but, but, but let's move forward and it's over. Yeah. Yeah. You no. Know? And they need to be reminded of that too. Yes. Right. We, need our we do too. We do too. That's a beautiful thing for us too. We can really get stuck. That's beautiful. Yeah. And so that's part of the moving beyond mindset, right? With aligning with, with our horses is that, as I was saying, every, every horse is an opportunity for us to access a gift within ourselves that we can share with them to help them move forward and be, you know, more whole and then shine their light. Because I would love every, every horse. I mean, look at the magnetic field of a horse's heart you know if there every horse on the planet was honored as a high spiritual being the planet would be healed mm, holy cow it shine their light as pillars of light all the time the frequency of the planet would would raise beyond our own ability and in a in a in a collective pool of light yes everyone it, would benefit is it in is it it's india isn't it where the cows are sacred I think so. I don't know much okay. about that, but well, yeah. we should have horses sacred. At least, yeah. you know, Canada, United States, we should have horses as sacred. Let them roam. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and they, you know, people say, well, what are you going to do with all the horses if they don't go to slaughter? Excuse me. We have a ton of land. We have a ton of compassionate people. We have a ton of people who we'll would figure it out. Have a homestead with horses on it and 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 take care of them. And I was downloaded something called the Equine Land Trusts about creating that. I don't I don't have a specific detailed plan, but something oh. like Habitat for Humanity. But yes. you know, but but to do that for people who want to be on like a homestead with horses, we have all, we have everything to create forever sanctuaries forever homes for horses it's just the old mindset of yeah. well you know what are what's going to happen to all the jobs you know and <laughs> oh, jobs they're going to be new experiences I oh i 
love it. We're beating up on the men. I'm, oh, it's all good though. <laughs> but everybody involved, right? You know, everybody yeah. involved. It's, it's, yes. it's yes. and that's why, that's why we're talking about expanding consciousness, that new possibilities. Yes. There are new ways of being. And mm. let's just consider them. Ah. Oh. All right. Thank you. How do, how do we want to exit out of this? My dear, <laughs> I know it's like, I, I actually have to go work with a couple of horses. I hate being delivered right now. Not, Hey, so, I'm a tractor. I'm a tractor. I had that earlier. And that's, and that's the problem is I got, I, I, there's no time limit. My time could be a half an hour and it could be three hours. It's crazy. <laughs> Oh, bless you. Phenomenal uh, being on your show again, Caroline. And I'm so grateful for everything that you do and who you are. Right back at you. And for all of us to come together. Yes. And and not be quiet about our love of horses as spiritual beings. Yes, correct. I I honor horses as divine spiritual beings. And I want everyone to know that. Yep. Me too. Everybody. Yep. That's why we're here together. Absolutely. Yeah. And, let's and, keep let's, building this. and let's talk about that. Let's yes. talk about that with the people in our world. And if people attack us, and I've mentioned before on your show, you know, people aren't always receptive to that. When I say that, who cares? You have no attachment. Nope. I, this is who I am. And this is my belief. And this is my lifestyle. And this is my mission. And we want to focus on our community that feels and believes in the same thing. Just keep that positive out there. Yeah, Let the negative I mean, naysayers, whatever. Hide. We don't need to hide yeah. uh, our our love of horses in that way just to fit in. Well, God knows I don't. Y'all know who I am. <laughs> I'm a street shooter. If anything, you got to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> I have no problem speaking my mind. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, so- everyone thank you caroline thank you thank you i'm so honored to have you as a friend and our and a guest and we are going to keep doing this series Uh, it's the door is open for me as long as you will have me oh i love it it always has its own flow we have a topic and then it kind of has its own flow and we all integrate it and then we come back and we go wait we can talk about this next time (laughs) and this next time so the door is wide open thank you everyone and um yeah we'll we'll be back probably next month. So we'll get, we'll get together. I love that. Thank you. I love that. Thank you. All right. Um, Love you. God bless you. And thank you. Lots of blessings. Yeah. Bless you all. Bye everybody. See you next time.